0: the Word of God in Luke chapter 5. And I want you to rest your eyes on verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will, I will let down the net. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for all that our hearts have felt. God, we pray that you were pleased with our worship, that we offer to you not just a cavalier expression of worship but a sacrifice of praise. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And now, God, would you continue to just have your way? So give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, while I like the quality of the sound, I think it's a little much, so I'm going to ask the brothers just to tweak it just a bit. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you. When the Gaylord family was instructed to evacuate their home in Paradise, California, in October of 2019, because of a pervasive forest fire. They were separated from their beloved dog, Madison. For a period of four weeks, They were left to wonder what had actually happened to their beautiful little town of 27,000 until they were finally given permission to return. Well, you see, as far as they knew, every earthly possession that mattered to them had been devastated by the fire. Every picture, every piece of furniture, all of the memorabilia of marriages and family functions. The Gaylords, Mr. and Mrs. Gaylord, were able to return, but they were reluctant because their hearts were broken. Because at their age, who wanted to start over? Who wanted to relocate? And to their surprise, as they are driving up to where their property once was, there's nothing left but the foundation and charred remains that were disintegrated by the intense fire that destroyed all of the other homes in their community. But there he was, Madison. After four weeks of being separated from his masters, Madison had loyally remained on the property, sleeping on the place where the living room once was. And even the forest rangers, when they went back into the area before the regular residents could return, every time they would approach that property owned by the Gaylords, they had to back away because Madison (laughs) was protecting what remained. And so their overwhelming grief was replaced with tears of joy. Their dog was still alive. Sleeping out in the elements, days without food, risking his own life in anticipation that one day, somehow, he would be reunited with his owners. In fact, I believe that if Madison had never seen his owners, he would have died right there on the property in order to be with them in some other kind of way. Madison was willing to press for his blessing. And his blessing was the reward of seeing those who he loved and, had been, and he had experienced love from them. What are you willing to press for? Is there anything that could keep you up all night? If your wife disappeared for four weeks, uh, would you um, still be waiting for her? Would you have even put out a missing persons uh, report? I know the sisters would have put missing uh, persons reports out on their husband because, Women are just like that. But us brothers, I don't know. (laughs) Unless you're like the Christ strong men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At New Direction. Amen, amen, amen. I'm talking about those other churches. What are you willing to risk your life for? To agonize over and, and to give your all to, like this dog. Can you imagine that a dog would have more loyalty than fill in the blank? The Apostle Paul understood what it means to be a believer who pressed. In fact, this is what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, I press towards the goal, the mark, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. He said, I press, I strain, I struggle, I make every effort with every ounce of strength I have like a sprinter running in a race who's about to break through the tape and it's a closely contested contest and if you don't just get a nose in there, you won't win the prize. And the prize is not some material thing that you can put on display, but the prize is none other than Jesus Christ. He said, this one thing I do. Question for me as I was thinking about Paul is, what was it about Jesus that he needed that he didn't already have? Can you have more Jesus? Later, we discover that what Paul is saying is, I want to apprehend him in the same way he has already apprehended me. I want to know him in the same way I want to go deeper in him. I want to have a deeper level. So I press." Some of you may appreciate it this way. You can buy an Olympic-sized swimming pool, put it in your backyard, look at it every day. But until you get in, you know you have different levels in the pool, two feet for some of you, non-swimmers and four feet and six, and then you got the 13-feet level. God, the love of Christ and the relationship with Christ is infinite in its depth. And Paul said, I just want to go a little deeper. I'm not satisfied that I'm known by him. I want to experience him in the power of the same resurrection, the power that raised Jesus during his resurrection. When we come to Luke chapter 5, we are again invited by the Holy Spirit to witness a service that is in some ways much like ours. And the keynote speaker on this Sunday is none other than Jesus Christ himself. I just want to talk about for a few minutes the crowd, the catch, and the commitment. The crowd, the catch, and the commitment. In verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, so it was as the multitude pressed, the crowd pressed about him, to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which has the name, two other names, the lake of Tiberias and the lake of Galilee, which was read earlier. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down. Can you see Jesus sitting down? And he taught the multitude from the boat. The first thing I want to consider with you as we talk about the crowd that had gathered that day is there are actually four names. You read of three, uh, the three are John and James and Peter, and then in Matthew 4, where you have the same account of the the casting of the nets, there's Andrew, uh, who is the brother of Peter. And so there are four individuals that are actually marked out in the chapter, but they're not the point of emphasis. What's interesting about the crowd is the descriptive term, the Bible says they pressed against him, or about him. And the picture that is painted is this, that there is a group or multitude of people that have found their way to the place where Jesus is. And the, and the, and, and the longer Luke is observing this, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, we see more and more people assembling in that place where Jesus was. And so the crowd began to really amass and grow to the place where there was no more room. The scripture said they were pressing against Jesus. They were shoulder to shoulder. It was cramped. Uh, There was no room in between where you could put your purse and your hat and uh, your, 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 whatever. There was they were pressing against Jesus. The crowd kept growing, and the more they pressed against Jesus, the further he had to back up towards the sea or the lake of Gennesaret. But what interests what's of interest to me is that, in spite of the cramped and crowded quarters, that would inconvenience. Most people, if you knew it was going to be like that, you probably would have watched us on live stream. No one complained of being inconvenienced. No one that was gathered on that day, we don't see of anybody leaving the crowd because what they came to get, they weren't leaving until they received it. Sometimes we're in too much of a hurry, and what God has for us, you, you leave before you get it. Now on last Sunday, my wife and I we were away, and uh, we were heading back, and we both wanted to go to Cracker Barrels mostly <laughs> for breakfast. You know, Cracker Barrels, in our opinion, the food is always good. And so we drove. We were in Rohoboth and drove up to the Cracker Barrel there, and and we could see from outside that a crowd had gathered. So. Me and my Christ strong self, I said to my wife, "Would you go and check <laughs> and see how long will it take for us to be seated?" It was a little windy that day, bro. I'm trying to tell you, you know what I'm saying. I don't have it on the top like I, you know, it's a little, a little, a little chilly. So she came back out and she said, well, 25 minutes. And as she was getting back into the car, I was putting it in drive. (laughs) And I was saying to myself, Cracker Barrel's food is good, but it ain't 25 minutes of wait good. (laughs) I don't know where your favorite restaurant is or who your favorite entertainer is, but when stuff gets inconvenient, when well you gotta wait and you have something else you can do or there's a high hop up the road. Something, some, you know, some other establishment, you, you will find yourself, it's a little crowded, it's going to take a little long. But I want you to understand that on this day, when they gathered at Gennesareth and Jesus was there, nobody was willing to leave. It didn't say how long they had to wait for him to speak, but they came to hear Jesus, and they weren't going to leave until they heard the one who they came to hear the crowd, the crowd. Again, I want to emphasize where the crowd was. They were outside. This was an outside venue. They were standing at a, a, at a dock where we smelly fishermen, that was where they worked. It was a working uh, a, a place where people worked and they cleaned fish and they docked their boats and they fisked their nets. This wasn't some beautiful cathedral. This wasn't a new location at uh, 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 Salem Church in Route 40. Uh, this, was, this was on the seashore. They had no place to sit. They stood the entire time. I-, I don't know about you, but suppose you came next Sunday and there were no chairs in here and, uh, and we would have to stand for the entire sermon. And You're already thinking, is he about that? But let's just say you had to stand. There was no praise and worship, no ignite, no, no encounter. Worship team talking about bring the rain. We've been praying. There was no megatron screen to entertain them until Jesus came before them. If anybody knows anything about attracting the crowd, location, location, location. This was the worst possible way or place draw a crowd but here we find a multitude of people pressing just trying to find the space to be near Jesus why did they come to an outdoor gathering all oh, we got to hear is it's raining or it maybe raining and there places where I lived in Texas, and they say it was going to rain on a Friday. They close the city down until Friday. All you got to do is talk about rain or snow. And I, I don't blame them because those folks can't drive in snow. Why were they there? Well, the Bible says, what does the scripture say? They pressed about him. To hear the praise and word. No, they pressed about him because the building was nice. They pressed about him because their friends were there. They pressed about him so they could wear their best. No, no, no. It says they pressed about him to hear the word of God. You mean they they were that caught up and determined to hear the word of God? Jesus is the living Word. They came to hear Him. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word. The Bible says, and the Word became flesh, and He lived among us, and He tabernacled. we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten Son who is full of grace and truth. Jesus is the living word. They came to hear the living word. But they also came to hear the Logos word. The Logos word is the written, recorded word that we read. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and Hearing by the word of God. So study to show yourself approved that you will be what? A workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, because you will be like a tree that is planted by the rip. When you study this word, and so the Logos word is the written, recorded word for instruction, for correction, for reproof. It's for teaching, it's for preaching. That's not the only reason they came. They came to, to hear the living word and the Logos word. But there was something more. They needed the rhema word. The rhema, rhema word is an in-season, applicational, it's a right-now-for-your-situation word. Jesus put it like this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but the preceding word that comes out of the mouth of God, we need a rhema word. Ah, the living word is great, and the logos word, but when you come to church, the rhema word is makes you think the pastor's been reading your text messages. The rhema word is make, what's make you think that somebody's been listening to your telephone conversations. The rhema word is that word that allows us, you're listening to the living word being preached through a person. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so when somebody is preaching, that's the living word, somebody, the word is coming through a physical being. And then the logos word is the written word that that physical being is sharing but we can all hear the same Logos word through the living word, but we all get something different. So you're sitting here, and you all stoic, and you good, and then all of a sudden, that rhema word just drops on that fertile soil, and it hits your spirit, and it quickens you, and it makes you remember again, God heard me. He heard me. He heard me. They came. To hear the living word and the logos word. But we need the Rhema word, that applicational part of the scriptures that's just for you. That piece of cornbread, mom made for you, it's just for you. I said we should be like newborn babes who crave, who yearn for the sincere milk of the word. Every baby don't drink the same milk. Well, we, but every baby drinks milk, and this is the milk. <laughs> but there's something teller made for you. And that's why you can be sitting, and you mind your own business, you cool, calm, and collect, and then that word just falls. And you raise your, ah, thank you, Jesus. So what's wrong with them? That rhema word. That rhema word. When Jesus heard that Lazarus had died, he heard four days before he died that he was in critical condition. He was in the ICU and it wouldn't be long. He, he could die at any moment. And the Bible says he took his time. How do you know, how many of you know that Jesus can be four days late and still be on time? So when he arrives in Bethany, when Lazarus is not only dead. But he's been dead for four days and he's in the cemetery buried. And rigor mortis is has set in. And Mary sees Jesus and she wipes the tears from her eyes. She sees the living word and she wipes the tears from her eyes. And then she says to the living word, the, 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 that if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then the living word gave her the Logos word. I am the resurrection and the life. And though a man be dead, I can reverse the irreversible. I can turn this thing around. So she heard the living word give the logos word. And then he said, take me where you laid him." Still hasn't become anything else but the living and the low guys because she said, by now, I love Lazarus too, Jesus. And I know he was your friend, but uh, he, he stinking by now. She didn't try to say, uh, he didn't try to sweeten this thing up or make it any pretty. He said, by now, this ain't going to smell too good, Lord. But Jesus said, take me where you laid him. And he prayed on behalf, he didn't have to pray because he is a living word, but on behalf of those who were gathered for their faith. Then the Bible said he even wept. He who knew all things from the beginning, he wept. And then he spoke a rhema word. He said, Lazarus. And Lazarus heard that rhema proceeding word and that dead body had to get up. Because that's what the rhema word will do. It will bring back to life that which has died. That which the devil has pronounced dead. The rhema word will bring forth the Lazarus (laughs) in your life. They came. The crowd was there. For the living word, which is spirit. And true, I'm, I declare to you, if you would just receive the rhema word, if you would just stop saying, if sister so-and-so was hearing, brother so-and-so would have been blessed by this. No, this is for you. This is for you. The Bible says, be hearers of the word. So that you'll do what? Be a doer. It's standing outside. Shoulder to shoulder, I don't know how long. Now, I don't know about you, I like to eat fish. I don't like smelling it. But here they are, surrounded by the smell of fish, but ain't complaining one bit, because the living word had the logos word and a rhema word. I couldn't help but ask. How did they know without the benefit of text messaging and web pages and, and Instagrams and telephones? And How did they know that Jesus was going to preach where he preached? The Bible said, how shall they hear without a proclaimer? How are they going to know if you don't tell them? The scripture says, Jesus speaking, but you shall be, not the angels. The angels can't tell our story. He said, but you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And until you shall be, you shall give an answer to every man who asketh a reason of the hope that's where in you. That's how they knew about new direction. You told them. And if they don't know, it's because you haven't. Because I keep hearing people say that the living word, and the logos word, and the rainbow word is here. <laughs> but who are you telling? Now, of course, you can't tell anybody what's not changing you. But if the word is making you new, you got a story to tell. I have no problem. Some of you aren't even Philadelphia Philly fans. You don't even know what a Philadelphia Philly is. But somewhere you heard that they just signed a guy to a 30 million, 330 million dollar contract guaranteed. For 13 years, we're going to have to deal with this joker. For 13 years, $25 million a, a year. And just the fact that you heard about it, all of a sudden you want to see what the Phillies are doing, what they about. Maybe we'll go on Sunday and watch and this. If you're from New York, I get it. Praise the Lord. But our interest is stoked when you hear about it, when people are excited about what they've seen and and what has happened as a result of what they've seen. How shall they hear if you don't tell them? That's our job. The only reason the Lord didn't take us to heaven at the moment we got saved is because the world is still lost. He left us here to share the good news of how people can be saved. He left you here to be a worshiper, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. No, to glorify your Father who is in heaven. Who are you telling? Who are you pressing to share your blessing with? Sometimes what you're praying for will not be released to you. We're going to see this until you are committed to doing what you already know the Lord said do. Well, we had another book of the Bible. You don't invade pay the books of the Bible you got. What do you need with another? A mysterious book. I'm going to join the Masons. I'm going to join the Eastern Star. You go on and be just as fooled and, and crazy as they are in the name of Jesus. God said, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's what the scriptures say. There ain't no mystery. God doesn't want you to walk in the dark. He's given us a clear word. If it makes sense, make no other sense out of it. The crowd. Now, let's consider the challenge, the press pass, what Peter with Simon. He's Simon still. He's still Simon. We're not even going to talk about that part of it. But look at verse 4. It says, when he had stopped speaking, say "stop stop speaking. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net." For a catch, but Simon answered, and he said to him, "Master, we have toiled, we have pressed, we have worked all night and caught nothing. How do you meet the challenge of pressing past your toiling?" Let me share. Let me let me let me, let me go into this. The Bible says, "After he had finished teaching, after you hear the sermon." After you leave the Christ Strong ministry meeting uh, 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 teaching and the women's teaching, discipleship, notice here's what you should expect. Once you hear this word, expect to be challenged in that area of the word that you heard. He said after he spoke, he said Peter or Simon, he gave him an assignment attached to the, word, the living word. And so, the word is not just given for you to have great information so you can quote the Bible and talk the Bible. Look how big mine is, and look at the color of mine. It turns colors when I turn it. And my Bible actually smokes, and it'll float in the air and levitate. But it hasn't made you a better wife, it hasn't changed your mean spirit as a husband. It hasn't caused you to depend on God rather than your flesh. What you can expect after the word is taught is that the Lord is going to give you an opportunity. So what would he preach today had nothing to do with what I'm going through? Just keep on keep on living. He said, Peter. I have an assignment for you. I have an assignment. Now, why is it hard for us to apply the word once you shout it, hey, the Lord, amazing sermon, and, da, 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 and then we go outside of these walls. <laughs> I want to suggest three reasons why we struggle to apply the word of God. One is past failures. Peter said, we already tried. I've been trying to be a good husband to that man. I've been trying to be a good father to these baby's kids. I, I've been working hard and, and not getting angry and cussing folks out no more. I've been trying. And the more I try, the more I seem to fail. Your past failures. You've been tried waiting on the Lord. The Bible says be pure and abstain from fornication, flee lust. Don't make any provision for the fulfilling of the flesh. I tried that. And all that left me was home and alone. You know what the temptation said? I'm home and alone. It's Valentine's Day. I don't have no Valentine. It's Christmas. Ain't nobody putting no gift under the tree for me. And I really believe, and I'm going to put this out there on the Christ strong men. Ah, Let me leave it alone. But we, 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 we ought to be taking, to, taking care of our single ladies. They ought to have a gift under the tree. They ought to know that somebody's thinking about them as a collective group. You keep your individual gifts <laughs> as a collective group. Every now and then, we ought to be, if we ain't washing cars, we ought to be offering to see that somebody's car gets washed. Well, can I help you? No, I'm good. God is good all the time. (laughs) You got smoke coming out of your ears. Your eyes are bloodshot red. You stare people down and they turn into flames. (laughs) Past failures will make you reluctant to obey God. He said he loved you. You got pregnant and he left you. Your daddy who had you with your mommy said he was coming over, and every time he promised that he was coming, he never showed up. Why should you try again? Why should you try? So past fellowship. Then present fatigue. He said, we've toiled all night. We are worn out. I'm exhausted. I read every book, listened to every sermon, had every count. I am tired. You ever get fatigued? ever feel worn out? You don't even want to read your Bible. You don't want to go to church. I know they live stream, but I feel dead. (laughs) Your brain just feels fried. Simon said, I've toiled. We've toiled Trained fishermen, skilled, we know when to fish. It's at night, and here it is, broad daylight, and the Lord says, go out again. So present fatigue, and then here's another reason why we struggle with obeying the word of God, future fears. The Bible says that they had docked their ships to mend their nets, the nets were already torn and, and, and damaged and, and compromised. Now I'm about to risk everything to go back out before the things are even settled. So he's a, you're afraid that if you try, not only are you going to fail, but you'll fail so miserably that you'll never recover. Now, if I, if I really turn myself over to God like that, He's going to send me to Timbuktu, Africa. Is there such a thing as Timbuktu? We almost had Brandon in the reserves before he went to college. I had, we walked the boy through it. We did all the research. The International Air Guard. And he was going in to sign and be interviewed. And I get this phone call from his sister. He doesn't, I'm not gonna call her name, but he only has one sister. (laughs) Brandon was supposed to be in New Jersey. And the sister says, Brandon is in Philadelphia. So I'm saying, maybe they feel like if they told, told me through Kaneda, I would be cool with it. <laughs> I'm still feeling some kind of way about that. Brandon uh, is in Philadelphia. And it was so close to his, I forget what the thing was. Uh, he decided, And then it turned out, well, if he goes, he's going to Afghanistan. He's going to be sent to China. He's going to, Hitler's going to kill him and and, and Mussolini. Wait a what? The women got to my son and convinced him (laughs) that he was going to go back to all of the previous wars. (laughs) So here I am driving to Philadelphia to pick up my son that I thought was heading to the International Air Guard. We struggle because of past failures, present fatigue, future fears. Now how was Simon able to press past all of that? One thing, he didn't have to, he didn't wait until he felt, we wait until we feel all right about it. The Lord said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. He didn't say, wait until you feel like it. We wait until we, our emotion, when they tell me they're sorry, when they look like they repented and when they, no, no, no. He said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. That had nothing to do with your emotions. He didn't ask Simon, how do you feel about, ca-? he didn't ask him that. He didn't wait to understand a lot of what God is asking you and I to do about humbling ourselves and submitting. That's not even a part of our vocabulary today, and we're trying to figure. You can't figure it out. Peter didn't wait; it didn't make any sense. Cast your net in the water during the day when the fish ain't biting. That's illogical. That's a waste of time. That makes, that's crazy. But he didn't say that. He said, nevertheless. Here's another interesting thing. It doesn't say he had any faith. It doesn't say whether he believed it or just, he just was obedient. I want you to understand that there's a blessing in obedience. If you simply do, if he, make sure he said it now, because we're claiming stuff God never said. We You lying. God didn't say that. But if you know he said it, obey it, and you will be. Oh, okay. That's all right. Okay. For mm-hmm. all of you to clap your hands, you're going to get blessed for being obedient. Wow. The moment you can figure God out, then you can replace him. But his ways are incomprehensible. His ways are uninscrutable. The Bible said, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So are my ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways and my thoughts. You can't figure God out if he says. Cast the net. Say you're sorry. Tell somebody, go in your pocket and make some a commitment or a plan and make, make sure you got the money because if you don't, they're gonna come and get your stuff. But he ain't saying God ain't gonna <laughs> tell you to do that. He's not gonna tell you to do that. Some jack leg preacher may. <laughs> Nevertheless. Not my will. And the Bible says they cast the net, and there were so many fish that the, the net began to break, and the ship began to sink. And so Simon called his other partners, and they brought a net, and they caught so much fish that then next week, and they all both, both they, the blessing was so great because somebody was obedient. Somebody pressed past their toiling and obeyed. Now, you're gonna, you would have missed this one. There were two miracles that occurred from that obedience. The first was external. And we would have been shouting, I hit the lottery. I got a million dollars. My business is expanding. I got my degree. I lost 50 pounds. I got a better figure. Everybody likes me. But everything that you just described, the Bible said the outward man is perishing. But the inward man is, is eternal and being renewed day by day. The fish got them a big payday. But eventually, that outward miracle would go away. But the greatest miracle, the Bible says, Peter looked at Jesus and he said, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. He didn't see Jesus as a savior until the Lord blessed his obedience. What I'm saying is that the inward miracle was far greater than the external miracle. We focus on the external. I got healed. I got a new job. I got me a husband. I got me a man. No, no, no. Jesus said, you all are excited because the demons tremble at my name. and Miracles are wrought at my name. But the greatest miracle that I'm yet still doing is that I'm writing names in the Lamb's book of life. The fact that Peter said, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, that was the greatest miracle that occurred here. The catch was never about the fish. It's never about that thing that you've been reluctant to obey. The Lord's trying to catch your heart. He's trying to be the wing beneath your wing. He's trying to put you in line with his vision for your life. No wonder they stood in line. No wonder they pressed. Because they knew that the word that Jesus was sharing would change them from the inside out. Let me finish with this. The commitment that pressing for your blessing requires. There are three things that are required, that if you're going to get what you're pressing for, what the Lord has for you. The first thing Jesus said to Peter in verse 10, he says, speaking to Peter, do not be afraid. What he was saying to Peter is stop fearing. He was speaking prophetically, over the life of Simon. And he was saying, if you are going to get what I have for you through obedience, you're going to have to press for your blessing beyond your fears. Stop living in fear. You cannot trust the Lord if you're afraid, if you go on a plane, the plane's going to crash. No, more cars crash than planes. We give the devil victory in, 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 in shutting down our lives. The Bible says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I surely, Moses, surely, Joseph, I will be with you. Stop fearing. Here's the second thing. You cannot stay where you are to get, where, get to where God has taken you. The Lord said, follow me, leave what you're doing, and I will what? I'll make you fishers of men. You got it. to, to some things that you could go. in order for you to go forward, you got to stop looking at what's behind to press towards the mark of the high calling. Amen. Follow me. I am the author. I am the finisher. Look unto me, the author and finisher of your faith, there's some things that you must leave behind to get to where God is trying to lead you. There's a husband. There's a, there's a wife. There's an experience. There's a job. There's, a, there's something that God has for you, but until you're re- ready to leave, follow him. And here's the last thing. You cannot hold on to your past, your hurts, your successes, they left their jobs, but now in your past, the Bible says they left everything. Yeah. Are you in that position in your life right now? Stand with me. That you're willing, if the Lord said so, that you would leave everything. Is there anything more important to you than the Lord? call on your life. I want you to understand that that's really what it's all about. Every single challenge where you are forced to make a decision about obedience to the word or disobedience, God is really trying to bring you to that place where you can say, I'm finally leaving it all to follow him. And some of us have not gotten past the threshold of salvation, because we we're we living in carnality, We're living in our flesh. And when you're saved, you're miserable. You can't be happy and saved and living in sin because sin doesn't, it. it feels good, but not as good as it used to because of the conviction of the Spirit of God. When Peter saw Jesus that night walking on water, the living Word walking on water, he asked the living Word, Can I? And Jesus gave him a Logos word. Yes, you can. (laughs) And then he said, step out of the ship. That's the rhema word. And so he steps out of the ship and Peter's walking. He's looking at the living word because he heard the Logos word. And he said, Peter, you can. That was the rhema word for Peter. And then before long, Peter started looking away from the living word. And then he stopped believing the Logos word. And then he forgot the rhema word. And the next thing you see Peter, who was walking on water, doing supernatural things, accomplishing great things in the power of the Spirit of God, now he's sinking and saying, Lord, can you save me, please? Because he'd taken his eyes off of the living word. I want you to understand there's some great things that you can do as long as you keep your eyes on the living word, as long as you stay in the Logos word so that he can give you A rainbow word, press, say press Press. for for your blessing. Amen.